0: Hello everyone, this is lecture number 11, we are still on chapter 3, and we are just going to jump right into the book. I could feel him standing on the shower ledge right behind my chair, taking a look to see if Stradlater was around. He hated Stradlater's guts, and he never came in the room if Stradladder was around. He hated everybody's guts, damn near. So Holden claims that he damn near hated everyone's guts, but clearly he didn't hate Holden's guts. Perhaps this is another reason Holden puts up with Ackley. It is challenging to truly dislike or reject someone who likes you or is at least constantly trying to hang out with you, right? They kind of grow on you in this odd way. Even if they're annoying, you become used to their company. And if they're not around, you, you feel a little odd and like something's missing. Let's continue with the book. He came down off the shower ledge and came in the room. Hi, he said. He always said it like he was terrifically bored or terrifically tired. He didn't want you to think he was visiting you or anything. He wanted you to think he'd come in by mistake, for God's sake. So I believe this is insecurity on Ackley's part, the way he says hi in regards to him saying it as if he's terrifically bored or terrifically tired. He's. It's like you're too embarrassed or insecure to be amiable and have this positive energy. If someone's speaking to you and they're kind of they have this passive tone that's maybe monotone, they're unsure. It's as if, you can see this very clearly when someone speaks and is attempting to tell a joke at a table, for instance, and the joke may be very great and witty, but the way someone's telling it, or even a story, because they're unsure and they're uncertain and perhaps they're saying it in this monotone, it doesn't come off funny or entertaining or interesting nor compelling. Though, if someone is very confident and they and they're comfortable there's an authenticity that comes through and it resonates with everyone at the table and that same exact joke will be funny and that same exact story will be utterly compelling and i also think he he's nervous in regards to he wants you to think he's come in by mistake right because he's He's not confident in himself about just coming into the room and making it known that he's here to hang out. Or even doesn't want to straight up ask if he can come in like, hey, Holden, are you busy? Or do you mind if I come in? Or if he just starts asking Holden about his day instead, he's just trying to like move in very slowly, creep in and take little steps. And if he doesn't get rejected, he doesn't get rejected, he doesn't get rejected, then perhaps eventually he's going to feel comfortable enough where Holden's going to invite him just, just to hang out. And the way he's doing this too, I think it's far more irritating. If you have examples of this in your own life, if you, if you live on, on campus or before COVID, if you lived on campus with dorms, or if you have siblings and they come into your room, it's far more annoying, correct? If they're coming in and they're acting like how Ackley is here, where they're unsure. They're trying to act like they just somehow ended up in the room by mistake instead of just saying hey what's up and try to talk to you as if their presence is welcome because if they're putting off that energy as if you want to be around them naturally you're going to want to be around them it's odd how that works but if they're coming in like i don't know if this person is okay with me being here i don't want to be a nuisance then you're going to appear as a nuisance it's it's also similar to the individual who stands in between the door and in, in your room, they're like hovering on both sides. Like it's either leave or just come all the way in. And sometimes you have to say it, but you wish they'd just take the initiative and assert themselves inside the room, correct? In your own personal life, do you, you recall any examples of the various personality types in regards to one being like Ackley, someone who is constantly bugging you, but they're doing it in this apprehensive manner where they're very reluctant and nervous. Does it bother you? Can you recall what they did? Why it annoyed you? Why they pestered you? And was there a friend or someone who would come in, but they were very charismatic. They had the personality of like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, very amiable, positive, high energy, but they constantly bugged you as well. Were you annoyed with them or were you always happy to see them? And you always had time for them. Think about those in your own life. I know personally in my life, when i was in college in the dorm life there was a friend i had he wasn't to the extent of Ackley but i wouldn't really call him a friend either but he would come in and for some reason every time he would come in he would just feel like he was he was a nuisance there i would be doing something like homework or even if i just wanted to watch some youtube or whatever it may have been at that time it would feel like a chore when he would come in and i would try to be I wouldn't really want to engage with him in order to try to get him to leave, to take the hint. But he would just sit there and wait and wait around. I'm like, what are you doing in here? Why, why can't you leave? And he would never get a hint. And then I had another friend who would barge in all the time. But even if I was very busy, it always seems like I didn't mind seeing him. Like, he would make me happy in regards to, like, we could joke around and talk and converse. And it never seemed like an issue. Perhaps you have those those sort of people in your own lives, you can think about it and try to understand what makes them different. And perhaps you can use the good and the bad to learn for yourself if you are this character who is constantly trying to hang out with someone or barging into their room or showing up at the door, whatever it may be, try to pick up the qualities that you personally liked because often what you like about somebody is going to be the same things that someone likes about you, you can use those things. And the things that annoy you about someone, you can use those and try to not do those things when you are engaging with another individual and you don't want to put off this bad impression. Because a lot of these qualities are, are ubiquitous. They're not going to change, no matter who you're engaging and interacting with. Back to the book. Hi, I said, but I didn't look up from my book. With a guy like Ackley, if you looked up from your book, you were a goner. You were a goner anyway, but not as quick if you didn't look up right away. Is there anyone in your life who's like this? I had a roommate and there's some other people, many, not many, but a handful of individuals that are like this, but I had a roommate in particular who would be like Ackley here, where I knew he would talk and I would just prolong the having to have to engage with this conversation and it wasn't a conversation that's one of the reasons i tried to avoid it i had a friend who just loved to talk about nonsense and he was very uninteresting n- not funny and he so anyways i would do these certain things like i would really be busy and he would just keep talking and i would try to not give him attention but he would never get the hint, and i knew that eventually he would just do it anyways but if i give in right away at least there's like this false hope that he's going to take the hint and not engage, but it never worked. I once was trying to sleep and he was watching, I think the show Dexter and I was facing the other wall, granted trying to sleep and he looks up at the bunk because we had a bunk bed and he goes, hey, I go, I try to ignore him, act like I'm sleeping He's like, hey, did you want me to tell you what happened on this show? Granted, I never watched the season, never asked about it. I was not interested. I said, no. He said, oh, well, do you mind if I tell you anyways? And I said, oh, my gosh. And he just kept talking, and I put my headphones on and turned up the volume, and he continued with this. And he wasn't doing this to annoy me, like to do it in an amusing, hilarious way. This was just the character he was. And, yeah, so I know characters like this, so I relate with Holden in this passage. Because there are all these individuals who who you like cannot make eye contact with or engage because you know that the minute you do, you're going to get sucked in and trapped in a conversation, right? You're trapped in this interaction and you try to be nice. You've done it many times, but then you know the pattern and you try to avoid it. And it's as if they trap you in a corner and it's only a matter of time before you eventually have to succumb to to this. it's almost torture. And you're like, oh no, I can't do this. And it starts stressing you out even to be around that person's presence because you don't wanna be trapped in the conversation and you don't wanna be rude. If you can think of anyone like this. And those people, they're interest- the funny thing about those individuals too is that it's not just you who they do that to. They do it to everyone and everyone is, frightened and anxious when they're around and if they're about to get trapped into a conversation with them when they're one-on-one and the person makes eye contact with them and they make the mistake of making eye contact back and then invites the person to come to them they're like oh no 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 they try to walk away but it's too late and then they're going to be trapped for 30 minutes hour whatever it may be of just having to listen to this individual and not being able to walk away, no matter, all, no matter what kind of body language they're portraying. Back to the book. He started walking around the room very slowly and all, the way he always did, picking up your personal stuff off your desk and chiffonier. He always picked up your personal stuff and looked at it. Boy, could he get on your nerves sometimes. So this is very annoying, correct? Especially when you are already annoyed of the person. It's as if when someone annoys you and they're constantly causing you vexation, anything they do can push you to, you know, extreme exasperation. Because you're already on edge and annoyed at this person. And so I can just picture being Holden in this passage and having someone I'm already constantly annoyed to doing this and just being like irritated and not even being able to focus on anything but this person it's making me more irritated because all my attention's on this individual and in this case like Ackley and this is personally a pet peeve of mine like when individuals go into your room or apartment or whatever it may be and they're picking up your things your personal things and they're not really interested in looking at it. They're just picking it up because it's like a nervous habit, right? They're anxious. And this is the same thing that Ackley's doing. He's not really interested in what these things are. He's not asking about them, inquiring about them, studying them. Instead, he's just kind of nervous and trying to look for something to do with his, his nervous energy. He's fidgety. He's ner- anxious. It's it's like when you see a pet in someone's home and you're uncomfortable and you have to like be doing something because you can't sit there. And be relaxed, so like you constantly just keep petting the dog or a cat. And Holden's not relieving him of his of his anxieties. Just kind of looking at him with like through his peripheral vision, right? He's not making direct eye contact, but he's just watching him and observing him, and constantly getting more and more annoyed. Perhaps you can relate. And it just, once again, Ackley, even though he's constantly bugging Holden and he comes into his room every day, quite a bit if Holden's saying he comes into his room 85 times a day, of course, it's probably not that much, but it's enough to make him exaggerate. He still doesn't feel comfortable around Holden. Not enough where he can just come in and relax and be like, hey, what's up, dude? Like most individuals and boys can do when they're friends with someone, especially someone they're seeing that often. So it gives you a little indication of their relationship and the kind of characters they both are. And more insight into the character, Ackley is, still very insecure and anxious. And he's not confident enough to just initiate the conversation. And of course, Holden's not providing him with any sort of greeting. He's not giving him a warm greeting, a smile, or inviting him to sit down or anything of that nature and they're both just looking for the other to take initiative, and neither is at this moment. Back to the book. How was the fencing, he said. He just wanted me to quit reading and enjoying myself. He didn't give a damn about the fencing. We win or what, he said. Nobody won, I said, without looking up though. What, he said. He always made you say everything twice. So here, Ackley's trying to engage, holding into conversation by asking a question regarding the fencing but like Holden understands and recognizes that he really doesn't care about the fencing he just wants to you know invite he wants to get Holden to stop reading so his attention's on Ackley and they can engage in the conversation and Ackley can feel comfortable being in the room and as if he's not a nuisance though he clearly is at the moment. Ackley cannot just engage comfortably and in a natural manner, which one would expect if somebody's friends with another person or comfortable with someone. You don't feel this this pressure and this uncertainty about what to say, and you're looking for something to kind of ease the tension and make things comfortable so you can get on talking terms and search for something like he is here. And perhaps Holden wouldn't really care if he really was interested in Holden's day, Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Holden clearly thinks he isn't because he just thinks he's trying to make him quit reading and enjoying himself. He's becoming just a hassle and an overall nuisance, right? And Holden clearly is still trying to give hints to Ackley that he doesn't want to engage, doesn't want to talk to him, he doesn't want to hang out with him, he wants Ackley to leave, he wants to have his solitude back because he says he gives him a short answer, nobody won. And then he doesn't even look up at him. He doesn't make eye contact with them. He's trying to give him those those hints, those subtle cues of, hey, I'm trying to be somewhat polite, but I don't want to talk to you. But Ackley, as you could see in this passage, and as we go forward, he cannot pick up social cues, nor body language, you know, tone of voice. I don't think he, it's not his insolent way of just not even caring. I think he really is just antisocial and lacks social skills because we already know he doesn't have any friends and he's, been a, he's a senior and he's been there all four years. Therefore, he must have this... He must lack proper social skills, even the minimum amount to have a clique of friends because we even know of antisocial kids or kids who are very awkward that still managed to have a friend group and he's just even more awkward and have you have you ever acted like Holden here in this passage with someone that you didn't want to deal with or didn't want to talk to you or hang out with and then when Holden says that he made you say everything twice that is one of my pet peeves as well perhaps you have this as a pet peeve I typically speak in a more lowered and demure tone, therefore I think honestly people don't hear me the first time and so they ask me to repeat something. But it still makes you extremely frustrated and it always seems that the individuals that say what are the people like Ackley in my life that annoy me already and then they have me repeat myself and I'm, getting, I'm even more annoyed. It's because I have no energy in my voice when I'm speaking with them. Therefore, I'm talking in a very low manner and kind of mumbling and not looking at them so my head's not raised because I'm doing the same thing Holden's doing. And then the person obviously can't hear me. And so they ask me to repeat myself. And I'm even more annoyed and exasperated and exhausted from this conversation that I either just say nothing, doesn't matter, or I get like upset and I, I don't like it, obviously, I try to fix it. I haven't done that in quite some time, but I used to do this very commonly when I was younger, especially in my high school days. I think a lot of us are like that, kind of have this short fuse with people that annoy us. You can see that often with teenagers and their parents, right, or their, their younger siblings. It's unfortunate. Do you have people like this that you're short with and lack? they don't provide you with that energy that good conversation provides you with, right? It's stimulating, it's titillating, but they're just draining and you feel just down. And everything just feels like you're, it feels like it's a drudge. It feels as if you're trying to walk through thick mud and you're sinking and it is an arduous and strenuous task just to even say one word to them. It's odd that that happens, but there's those individuals that have that effect on you, correct? And then there's individuals that you interact with, in which you could have a full day of work, full day of school. You could have run five miles that day and be beat so exhausted that you're falling asleep, even while standing. But then that person who you're interacting with gives you so much energy that you feel completely awake, correct? Hopefully, you have those people in your life and hopefully you are that person to someone else and back to the book nobody won i said i sneaked a look to see what he was fiddling around with on my chiffonier he was looking at this picture of this girl i used to go around with in new york sally hayes he must have picked up that goddamn picture and looked at it at least five thousand times since i got it he always put it back in the wrong place too when he was finished he did it on purpose you could tell it's interesting that Holden has a picture of an ex, you know, some girl he used to go around with. Why would he have that? Or does it mean he still still cares about her? Does he still have feelings? Or is he just trying to have a girl, a picture of a girl to, be, to feel cool around his friends and see it like it's a pretty girl. And it's like, oh yeah, I used to go around with her because in, in the 50s, it was different to have a photo of a girl, right? It was special, people had to go get photos taken of them, had to get them the film, you know, produced into actually a tangible form. They would have to give it to you. And it was a long process, far more expensive and tedious than it is now where someone could just snap a picture of themselves and send it to you. Therefore, maybe he cherishes it more. And also if a girl's doing that, that means she likes you. And as a teenage boy, and sure as a teenage girl as well, you want, the person that you're interested in, whether it be the boy or, you know, if you're, if you like girls and you're a girl then that or vice versa, boys and boys. But let's stick with the heterosexual example. When you're a teenage boy, you want girls to like you and you want your friends to know that girls like you too, because it makes you feel confident about yourself and you kind of get this respect, correct. And this is the kind of mindset he has. So maybe that's why he has a photo of an ex that he's not really hanging out with, or just a girl, he may not even dated her, but a girl he used to go on dates with and see. Ackley is, has picked up this picture many times, perhaps because one, it's just like a nervous habit, and two, maybe he finds the girl attractive and he wants to look at her and maybe he wants to talk about it and say something and talk about women with Holden, but those chances are Ackley has m- maybe not even went on one date with the girl the way he seems, the way he's described. So perhaps he's fantasizing about her or wishing he could build rapport with Holden. Because when guys get together, same thing, when women get together they talk about boys, they talk about dates, sexual encounters, and boys do the same thing. He says that Ackley always put the photo back in the wrong place when he was finished and he thinks he did it on purpose he said you could tell but is that true or is that just Holden projecting his own annoyance onto Ackley and misconstruing his real intentions and thinks that he's doing things from a malevolent intention perhaps it's not who knows or maybe he's doing it in the wrong place in hopes that Holden will say something about it and then he can talk about the Sally Hayes girl. Maybe he wants to know about her, maybe he wants to talk about her, but he doesn't know how and maybe he's nervous. Ackley just seems very uncertain and awkward and Holden doesn't help him out at all. And this may be because Holden may not be that confident in himself as we can see and maybe he's a little awkward and uncomfortable and Ackley intensifies that, right? If you're around somebody who is awkward and uncertain you can't help but sometimes feel awkward and uncertain yourself and it makes you uncomfortable to be around that person, correct? Versus someone who's very relaxed and comfortable. But if you are someone who's truly confident and comfortable in your skin, you don't really mind who you're around and you can make that other individual feel relaxed, correct? Maybe you are that person or you know of that person who has that magical ability to put everyone at ease and bring the best out of everyone because He makes everyone feel comfortable or she makes everyone feel comfortable they're usually very outgoing correct and certain of themselves and are okay with joking with and making fun of themselves and they're kind of goofy and that way it makes the other person feel at ease but they're confident in being goofy and dorky right back to the book nobody won he said how come i left the goddamn foils and stuff on the subway i still didn't look up at him On the subway? For Christ's sake, you lost them, you mean. This is the first person in this story in which Holden tells the story about the lost foils. And he's clearly upset and very embarrassed by it. And Ackley being the character that he is, it probably annoys him and irritates Holden even more. Correct? And then Ackley not being like compassionate or sympathetic, he says, You lost them, you mean? right that he didn't leave him he calls him out and this probably just exasperates holden so much more right wouldn't it would you feel the same as holden here you're already embarrassed you're annoyed it's causing you you know irritation and discomfort and it's something that's still bothering you and you don't want to bring it up and then you have to bring it up with someone that you can't stand and you find annoying and You try to say something like, I left them, and then he calls you out and says, no, you lost them. I think it's, I found this humorous and amusing to do, and I could relate to this in a way in which there's times in my life when I've done something that have caused me, whether it be grief or just, you know, general discomfort and distress, and I don't really want to talk about it, but then when I have to speak to it about someone, they blow it up. I'm trying to make it seem not like it's not that big of a deal. Perhaps like Holden is here, like I left the goddamn foils. I tried to seem like it's not that big of a deal because it would calm my nerves, but then the other individual blows up and makes it a far bigger ordeal than it has to be, like saying, oh no, you lost them. And then it makes you upset and distressed and you almost feel more resent for this person that did that to you i don't know how you are in your general disposition or if you've had this certain situation occur perhaps you are more honest with yourself or can handle other people's anxieties i'm the kind of individual that i can stay relaxed and make things not that big of a deal when they're by myself but if someone else becomes very nervous and upset by it it can it causes me some distress because their like anxiety is I can feel it, and it makes me my anxiety heighten, and then it makes me annoyed at that person because they're making me feel, you know, vastly more anxious. Though that's my own issue. It's interesting the way this conversation is going at the moment because, though Holden is answering Ackley, he's trying to make. He's trying to keep things short, but Ackley keeps pulling more and more words out of Holden. Correct, though Holden's remaining very stubborn as he still refuses to look up at him, to make eye contact, to to pretend that he's still trying to read, correct? Because he's trying to show that this book is more important than Ackley. I'm still looking at this book. I'm not looking at you. Can you not take the hint? I'm more engaged and want to do this more than talk to you with the way I'm, what I'm looking at, what we look at, what we're paying attention to, right? And I think Holden's trying to convey this, but Ackley is refusing to accept this or even pick it up and perceive it. Do you think that he is just very socially awkward and he doesn't perceive social cues or do you think that Ackley just doesn't care and he's going to try to get his way and he knows that eventually Holden is going to give in because perhaps this is the way things typically occur. We don't know, we don't get, we don't get a backstory of how these other interactions go but we can assume that this happens all the time because Holden told us. Therefore, maybe this is how the general pattern occurs. Maybe Ackley knows the whole ordeal and saying, Holden does as well because Holden mentions that he constantly looks at the Sally Hayes photo, puts it back in the wrong place. He's always picking things up and putting them back right in the wrong spot. So I think if this is a general pattern, then Ackley realizes that eventually Holden's going to give in and Holden's trying to hold out, but he knows that he will not. Back to the book. We got on the wrong subway. I had to keep getting up to look at the goddamn map on the wall. He came over and stood right in my light. Hey, I said, I have read the same sentence about 20 times since you came in. So Holden's trying to justify himself to Ackley, which is kind of interesting. It's as if he's trying to say, he wants to validate himself to even Ackley and also probably to himself, right? He says, we got on the wrong subway. I had to keep getting up to look at the goddamn map of the wall. And in a way it's still, he must care enough about Ackley's opinion in order to try to justify his actions for losing them. If he really didn't care what Ackley thought, he wouldn't. He would just uh, right off the bat said, "I lost the foils." Additionally, I want to point out the idea of him of Ackley standing in the light of Holden. I think this symbolizes something greater in regards to. Holden goes into his room. It's this comforting place, like most rooms are for us. He's. Being able to relax, put the red hunting cap on, sit down on the chair, you know, unbutton his collar, kick his feet up, sort of thing, read a book. And then, as he feels comforted and free from the stresses of the world, Ackley comes in. He causes him perturbation. He's irritating. He now can't focus. He can't be comfortable. This guy won't pick up hands. He won't leave. And then he brings up the foils. Right, that debacle on the subway which was something that was disturbing Holden and now he has to relive that and be back into that energy of feeling like stressed out and sort of depressed and distressed and this is making him far more irritated because of Ackley doing this and having to talk to him about it and he's bringing it up right he already finds Ackley annoying and then he's bringing up this thing that has caused Holden distress, and it still is, and perhaps he forgot about it while he was in his room just reading the book. He didn't think about it, and then he had to be shot back into that darkness. So that light, that feeling of warmth and comfort gets disturbed, and Ackley represents this by standing in his light where he can't see, and he's back into that darkness and feeling you know, downcast and gloom. Holden is being sardonic in the last sentence, correct? He's trying to be sarcastic. He's trying to give a hint to Ackley, an obvious one, the way he says, I've read the same sentence about 20 times since it came in, but it does not seem to deter Ackley, nothing does. And like we mentioned, perhaps he just is terrible at picking up social cues. He may be socially awkward. And I think that may be more the case than him trying to annoy Holden. I don't think he, his purpose is to annoy Holden. He may just Holden may be the only individual that he feels that he can talk to or who puts up with Ackley and doesn't, isn't direct with telling Ackley to get out because he, he never does that. He tries to give hints because he tries to, to. though it's not polite, but it is sort of polite. Do you know what I mean? He's not straight up saying, Ackley, leave. I don't want you in here, please get out. He's trying to drop subtle hints. Do what is a socially appropriate. Though Ackley is terrible at perceiving all these subtleties and nuances of society and he can't pick up the hints and the underlying meanings. Ackley doesn't understand the connotations of the words or the tone of voice or the body language. And it's interesting but that's probably why he has no friends either because he doesn't know how to do that. And we all know kids like that. Perhaps you are one of them who is socially awkward and it's very difficult to make friends because of that. And Perhaps that's the reason Ackley clings to Holden and bugs him because we want social connection. We want to talk to somebody. And Ackley finds Holden because he's next door and Holden doesn't directly reject him. He's not overt about it. He doesn't say anything directly. So back to the book. Anybody else except Ackley would have taken the goddamn hint. Not him, though. Think they'll make you pay for him, he said. I don't know, and I don't give a damn. How about sitting down or something, Ackley kid? You're right in my goddamn light. He didn't like it when he called him Ackley kid. He was always telling me I was a goddamn kid because I was 16 and he was 18. It drove him mad when I called him Ackley kid. In this passage, Holden is saying what? I presume, which is Ackley just doesn't pick up social cues. He's socially socially awkward. He doesn't understand, you know, he doesn't pick up a hint. He doesn't understand the context of words and tones. He mentions that everyone, anyone else would pick up a hint, but Ackley wouldn't. And then I think we also see Holden trying to defend himself in regards to his ego by this rebellious youth kind of Attitude and when he says I don't give a damn, right? It's like when you're angry instead of admitting you're wrong You build your defense up more and try to seem like you're tough It's an immature way of handling things to deal with them to deal with that emotion of distress and disappointment And you turn it into anger. Perhaps you have done that in your life And perhaps you can figure out examples that are similar to what Holden did here Like when you get in trouble and you're just like I don't care. I don't care. I don't give a damn That kind of attitude Also, Ackley is more concerned about the money instead of about Holden because he's asking if they will make him pay for the equipment. He's not asking Holden how he feels about it, correct? He's saying, oh, are they gonna make you pay for the equipment? And I think that's another theme which I pointed out before and will continue is this idea of money, money being such a big issue and always on everyone's mind, not everyone, but. The vast majority of us think about money every single day, right? It's hard not to. This is the biggest issue to Ackley. This is his primary concern. He's not thinking about the fencing team, the fact that they lost or how Holden is feeling. Instead, he's just thinking, oh man, are they going to make you pay for it? And this is so common, right? If If someone loses something, they always think like, oh, is it a lot of money? Are you going to have to pay for it instead of thinking like, oh, was this thing of sentimental value to you? How did someone feel when you lost it? Are you okay about losing it? That's, it takes a backseat to the concern of money. Finally, Holden gives in to Ackley, correct? He invites him to sit down. It's what Ackley has been wanting. And as I previously mentioned, perhaps this is the normal pattern of their interactions. It takes Ackley a while to beat down Holden, and Holden tries every single time to hold off Ackley, and he keeps waiting and waiting and waiting to see, okay, is he going to give up? Is he going to give up? Is he going to take the hint? Is he going to know that I don't want him here? And then once he realizes, okay, he's not leaving, I might as well just invite him to sit down. In a bigger symbolism of Ackley blocking the light Holden's life, it's as if there's something that is preventing you from seeing there's a wall, there's a blindfold, whatever it may be, something that you must move out of the way so you can see again, you can see the light, and therefore you can't deny it. You have to engage with it, you have to confront it, and I think the same thing is occurring here with Ackley and Holden. Of course I'm expanding, but I think this is something that is alluding to some, to an idea that's far greater than just Ackley literally standing in the light of Holden and not allowing him to continue with reading. Holden does give him a nickname here and he mentioned previously that no one gives Ackley a nickname but Holden does. He doesn't just call him Ackley, he says everyone else does so this could be a sign that he likes him, but he doesn't want to just give him any nickname. He wants to give him a nickname that he knows annoys Ackley. Correct. It gets under his skin, but I think Ackley may somewhat like it and Holden finds it amusing, not just to tease him, but it's a compromise in Holden in which this kid annoys him, Ackley, but since he sees them every single day, there is something in him that wants to give him a nickname because they are on this certain level and perhaps the only, he doesn't want to give him a nickname that is going to make it seem like they're friends, but it's not, it's not really a nasty nickname. It's something that's like teasing him and gets under his skin, but not in really a nasty way. Just a sort, a sort of like poking fun at him and knowing that it's going to ruffle his feathers, but not really hurt his feelings, right? So it's a compromise for Holden. Because it doesn't have to admit that he likes him. Because if he gives him a nickname, it's like, well, I only give him this nickname because it annoys him. And I understand why this bothers Ackley. I've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but just to touch upon it once more, The idea of someone calling you a kid or a boy that's at the same age as you, or in this case, someone younger than you calling you kid, it's meant to be derogatory. It's meant to belittle you, annoy you, provoke you. And this is what it does to Ackley, right? Holden knows it gets a rise out of him. So he's going to continue to say it just to annoy Ackley. And maybe you you have done this to people or it has happened to you if someone will say something and they know it bugs you and each time it bugs you, they continue with it because it's amusing to them. They persist. And if it didn't bother you, then they wouldn't care as much, correct? Lastly, Ackley does seem childish and we will continue to see how he seems childish, but even right here, the way he's acting, is very uncertain of himself. 18 is technically considered an adult. And though he's in high school, but though he's technically an adult, he does seem more childish than Holden, or at least around the same level as him. And so this gives us an indication of the kind of character Ackley is. He is an an older peer, but he doesn't act like the older peer. Instead, it seems as if Holden and Ackley are near the same psychological level, and perhaps Ackley really is on a lower level, more immature, and that's why Holden feels as if he can call him a kid. What are your thoughts? And we're going to leave the lecture off there. Thank you for listening. Bye.